All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. How do I sound, Tim? Do I you sound, sound wonderful? I got a little bit of a feedback from some fans saying, Tim sounds so good. You sound terrible. Let's get it going here. So I got a brand new fancy mic, the state-of-the-art piece of equipment. So hopefully I sound nice and clear for all you just beautiful listeners. And my voice comes through and it just... I, I hope you're happy because it wasn't cheap, you guys. And I, you know me, I like to pinch my pennies. But here, we got a new mic. We got a new show. Tim's in Philadelphia right now, Tim. Have you gotten shot yet? Have you, have you gotten your car stolen? Not yet. Not yet. Uh, luckily, I, I got in. So I, was, I took the Amtrak from D.C. yesterday. We had a good client shoot. Um, got in around 8 o'clock last night. And I took an Uber like eight blocks. So it was like... I would have walked, but I have my suitcase. So it was, I haven't seen really any of the city. So I've been very safe so far. I got to walk a few blocks to the, where I'm going today. So there's a chance, but we'll see. Hopefully nothing let me, happens. Let me know. Cause you hear the horror stories. So oh, it's so dangerous. I love Philadelphia. I liked playing there. I liked walking around the city. The food's great. The people are colorful. It's a good city. So I hope everything's just getting blown out of proportion for your sake. Cause gosh, walking a few blocks you're 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 easy pickings tim for everybody they see you they're just like jackpot that guy (laughs) is not going to fight back at all (laughs) and he's probably got some money well it's funny because um we're doing it's like just a work event and we're all gonna get get lunch catered i'm thinking about going off on my own and going finding a real cheesesteak somewhere if i can find one within walking distance is that too touristy or what well, no, I think when in Rome, you got to you got to go for it. You know, you go to Philly, you get the cheesesteak, you go to Buffalo, you get the wings, you go to other you get you get what the city's known for. So yeah. go for it. I don't know. Go to New England, you get the chowder. What other I don't know, other geographical foods, but go for it. I think I think you should definitely do that. But just be careful out there, Tim. You know, I wish there was a company where you could order that food and get it delivered to you. Someone should invent something like that. But moving on. Remember the old movie, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Tim? Probably not. I do. No, I love Westerns. That has been just pounding in my head the last few days. The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. 
and I'm applying it to hockey right now because there's a lot of good going on in the NHL, a lot of good stories, a lot of good starts. And I want to, and I want to highlight most of the good and we'll get to the bad and the ugly. Cause there's a couple, there's a couple ugly situations going on, but let's, I just want to go back to my alma mater real quick, Michigan tech. They started their season firing They're two and one in the CCHA, their goaltender, Blake Pietala goaltender of the week. He's got a 952 save percentage, 135 goals against average. The guy's an absolute stud. He's six in the nation. You know, we talked about tech earlier in this pod. No, earlier last week, they were going to struggle because they had seven new guys set in like an NCAA record for not a non-expansion team or whatever. I know Arizona State kind of just came into existence 10 years ago and they had 20 new guys. But yeah, they struggled early. They're starting to pull it together, Tim. We might have to make a trip to Michigan Tech Winter Carnival. Ah, you I would love, love to. Would you? Yeah, absolutely. All right, I might have to pull some things together because Michigan Tech and Winter Carnival is unbelievable. Anyways, they got they got Bemidji State this weekend. This is their first CCHA game. They should just blow them out of the water. Bemidji State has no chance with Michigan Tech, but anyways, that's good. What other good stuff is happening around the NHL, Tim? Because there's a lot. There's a lot of good starts, good stories. Let's let's break into it. What's going on around the NHL? Well, one of the things that I've noticed, and this is something that I, I was just thinking about earlier this morning, so it's pretty fresh, but I think there's definitely something there. The idea of like younger kids, younger players thriving under new coaches, new system, then they look like different players. And there's a few examples around the league that we've seen. Um, some of them, you know, the top ones that come to mind in Montreal. You got Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield. They're leading the, the young generation. They are the, you know, the up and coming faces of the franchise. And both of them struggled a little bit, especially Caulfield under the previous coach, Dominique Ducharme. Um, Cole Caulfield came onto the scene in that playoff run a couple of seasons ago. Unbelievable. Light the world on fire, as we like to say. Last year, big expectations. He just fell flat completely. I think he had two goals in the first like 15 or 20 games. Then he gets sent down to the Laval Rockets of the AHL. Gets called back, produces a little bit, but not much. He doesn't look right. Ducharme gets let go because Canadians are struggling. Marty St. Louis gets bring in, get brought in as the interim coach. And all of a sudden, Cole Caulfield looks like a different player. And we kind of joked about it being coached by a younger, smaller superstar that's very similar to Cole Caulfield. And maybe that would rub off on, on his game from Marty St. Louis. And it clearly did. And so since Marty took over for the Habs, it's been 41 games. Cole Caulfield has had 25 goals, 14 assists, 39 points. On the flip side, Nick Suzuki, complete mirror image, 14 goals, 25 assists, 39 points. And so there's definitely something to be said there. And so far this year, Cole Caulfield looks good again. They played four games. He's got three goals and an assist. That's good. Another example that came to mind in New York Rangers. So David Quinn came over in 2018, I believe right out of BU, first NHL job coaching the Rangers. And he had a situation where all these guys, there were tons of young players, the Adam Fox, uh, Lafreniere, Capocacco, there's a couple other guys, Heedle. And, and, and to be fair, in his, in his favor, he did turn Adam Fox into a Norris Cup winning, uh, Norris Trophy winning defenseman in his second season. But Quinn also took a lot of criticism for the way that he handled the young kids. Some of it fair, some of it unwarranted, whatever. But Clearly, Kako Kako wasn't really living up to expectations early on. Not bad, not a bust territory, but not really the, the second overall pick that you want to see. 
And then Alexis Lafreniere, first overall pick, wasn't really doing that much of that either. I looked it up, and basically over the, por- the course of an 82-game season, in two seasons under David Quinn, Capococco put up exactly 29-point pace in both of them, and very similar numbers for Lafreniere. Quinn gets let go. Gallant coaches starting starting last season, he's given the kids a little bit more breathing room. He lets their confidence develop. He He's leaning into the, their best parts of their game and letting them grow as players, maybe a little bit more than, than Quinn was doing. And Capococco and Lafreniere looked different. You watch the game. The numbers aren't exploding yet, but they, they're playing with more confidence. And this year, Capococco's got two goals, big goals. There was that one, that big, big like, he created it himself, that wraparound, get his own rebound. And Lafreniere has got a goal and two assists in four games. So it's still very early. I'm not saying that it's completely turned on a dime, but it's a lot more confident in the game. And when you watch, the Rangers fans know there's definitely an uptick playing under Gallant compared to David Quinn. Well, we said this last year, and we said it going into the playoffs. If, if they can get those two guys to find their game, to build some confidence, the Rangers are a dangerous team. And you look at the early results of this season, they bumped them both up. The kid, the kid line is gone. They have bumped Kako up to the first line with Zabinadad and Kreider, and they put Lafreniere with Trocek and Panarin. So if those two guys can solidify spots in the first and second line, that is an insane how good this team can be. You have a legit first and 1A line. If Panarin and Trocek are on your second line, Lafreniere, that is, that's a monster to deal with if you're trying to defend the New York Rangers. Not to mention you got Heedle, Blaze, and Jimmy Vesey on the third line. That's a pretty solid third line. So everything coming into this season, it was imperative for the Rangers to make something work with these two guys. Lafreniere, first overall draft pick. Cockle, number two overall draft pick. You have to get some returns on these two guys. So they went all in. They said, you know what? We're going to give you the opportunity. You showed flashes of it last year. We know there were some issues near the end of the playoff rounds when, well, what's Kako? Is he going to be a healthy scratch even? So there was some drama going on at the end of last season. They've ironed all that out. They've given him a huge opportunity. Like you're you're playing with Zabinijad and Kreider, a 50-goal score. Zabinijad, one of the top centermen in the league. You have to produce. And so I'm excited. I'm, I'm glad Glant's giving him this chance. If they succeed – the Rangers are the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. They've shown last year what they have on the back end. Lindgren's fantastic. Adam Fox is a Norris Trophy winner. Keandre Miller impressed me to no end. And everybody knows I love Jacob Truba. They, they have a top four that other teams would drool for. And then if they break down, they got Shesterkin. It's just he makes up for so many mistakes. If those top two lines can stay together, stay consistent, the Rangers, in my eyes, are the best team in the Eastern Conference. Hands down. There's no other team that can compete with them top to bottom, depth on the back end, between the pipes. Teams might have better forwards, maybe. The, the Maple Leafs, maybe. Carolina Hurricanes. Teams might have better defense. The total package. There's not one other team in the Eastern Conference that can match them top to bottom, Tim. Is there any, is there any other team that you think comes close? Because the Rangers, with those two guys... And it's all contingent on those two guys. We know what Kreider can do. We know what Zabinajad can do. We know what Panarin and Trocha can do. If Kako and Lafreniere can be the guys that they were drafted to be, this team could be unstoppable in the Eastern Conference, right? They're they're loaded. Yeah, I mean, close, sure. You're going to have Pittsburgh, Carolina, teams like that. 
Um, but yeah, so far so good for the Rangers. And and Panarin's leading the league in points right now at ten. I think he's creating more offense than anyone else in the league. I think Zabanajad is number three in points. Like they just they're looking really good early on. And like you said, when all else breaks down, they have a top two goalie in the world. So yeah, it's it's hard not to think these guys are going to go do some special things this, this year. It's hard to overshadow your hometown team, but the Rangers are playing really well this year. And your buddy Jake DeBrusque, a constant thorn in the side of Don Sweeney, Cam Neely, Bruce Cassidy, the big baby of the Boston Bruins, the reputation he's garnered. I want to be traded. I want to this. I, everybody hated him in Boston. Lo and behold, get rid of Bruce Cassidy, fresh start. New faces, new places. All right, same faces, same places. And the kid's having a great start to the season. He rescinded his trade request. He's just, he's a different player. Is this all because Bruce Cassidy is gone? I know we talked about this last year when he got fired earlier this this offseason, but boy, they've had quite the turnaround. Jake DeBrusque and Krejci and Bergeron, all these guys, they look like they're they're all 20-year-old kids flying all over the place, Tim. Yeah, this is the third example I was thinking about. And Jake DeBrusque, has, as you know, we talked about this in great depth last year and requested a trade, you know, flashes of brilliance, very streaky. You never know what you're going to get from him in any given week. He'd been health bombed a couple of times. Cassidy's gone. DeBrusque rescinds his trade request. He's getting top pairing minutes or top line minutes with Bergeron now, which is a huge difference. And actually, a friend of the not friend of the show, but potential friend of the show, Ty Anderson, this Bruins guy that I like, um, he tweeted out this great stat. So since the Bruins put Jake DeBrusque to the right of Patrice Bergeron in February of this year, he's had 17 goals and 27 points in 34 games played. The 17 goals are tops amongst all Bruins during that span and 22nd most in the entire league. So he's clearly found that confidence. He's clicking with Bergeron. And obviously it's hard not to click with Bergeron when you're playing with a guy of that caliber. But Jake DeBrusque had looked like a different guy. And I think the coaching change has a lot to do with it, similar to those other examples we talked about. So does he stay there once the lines fill up when Brad Marchand comes back and he jumps back in the first line spot and Taylor Hall gets pushed down to Zaka go to the does Jake has he solidified himself as a top two guy, top two line guy in Boston now, you think? I think he has, yeah, until he's until he proves that he's not. So I think the Marshall comes in, maybe DeBrusque plays on the right hand side, plays on the off wing, which you never know how that could, you know, affect him. But I think they will do that and Zaka will drop down to the third line with uh, Coyle and Craig Smith. Although Craig about, Smith was healthy scratch, he doesn't look great. I noticed that he hasn't been in the lineup. That's that's a big contract. You got to swallow if you're healthy scratch on that guy. You talked about momentum and mental games. It, the Bruins showed it last night when they played the Senators. There was it was a seven five game. The Bruins lost seven to five. They scored eleven goals in the first two periods. I think they scored something crazy like eight goals in the second period, and then in the third there was just one goal. When you look at the box score. You give your head a shake. It's like, how can these two teams throw up 10 goals in the first two periods and all of a sudden you score one in the third? It just goes to show you. It's just, it's mental. A lot of it is just all mental. You, you get the lead. You're the Ottawa Senators. You st- I just think stuff like that is funny. You figure the first two periods, they score 10 goals. The third period, they're going to score at least three. They're going to score at least four, but no, they score one. I don't know. Is that was, a cause for concern? The Senators' first win, the Bruins' first loss. That's a big one for the Bruins. No, it was a Senators' home opener. It was a lot of energy, and and yeah, I, not a cause for concern. The first time Anton Strahlman dressed, and he didn't look right. And I think it's just a little bit. He's a veteran. He'll he'll be fine. But um, he hasn't played a game yet this year, and he got exposed a couple of times. It's funny. We're we're going to talk about uh, betting again because I was watching the game, and it was three nothing, and then three three. 
And then they're, they're trading goals back and forth. And it was six to four late in the second. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go on and see what the odds are for the Bruins to come back and win this game. And it was plus 700. So I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to try it. I dropped 10 bucks on. And then right after I makes the bet, Pasternak scores and it ends six to five after two periods. And I'm like, okay, this is going to work. And then they obviously ended up losing, but I, <laughs> it was fun to, to watch. Friend of the show, Jeremy Swayman just got lit. Yeah. Uh, didn't look he, good. He did not look good at all, but yeah, the Bruins early season results report card looks pretty good. They, they look pretty solid considering they're missing two of their top three players. Not bad. Not bad. I, I didn't know what to expect from the Bruins early on, but they, they are definitely proving me wrong. They're looking really good. You, you know who else is looking good? John Tortorella, that son of a gun, is looking so incredibly good. This is, is this the last of our goods? We've, we've been on a good streak, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We might have a couple more. There's a lot of good stories, but John Tortorella – the Philadelphia Flyers coming into the season, nobody expected them to do anything. They expected Torts to come in, drop the hammer, the guys to respond. But I think when you look at their roster, when you look at the injuries that they have, when you look at how they've you know finished the last two, three, four years, you expected them to just struggle, work hard, but lose hockey games, be competitive, not get blown out, but to lose. Don't look now. The Philadelphia Flyers are, are undefeated. One of the few undefeated teams in the NHL still. Their best players are playing their best hockey. Carter Hart is playing lights out. Are you drinking the Kool-Aid yet, Tim? Are the Philadelphia Flyers all of a sudden, are, are they in the mix for the playoffs in the Eastern Conference? Well, it's obviously it's still so early, but we talked about them on Monday, and they were 2-0 and at that point, but they had beaten bad teams. And then last night, they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think 3-2. to And, yeah, they look good. You mentioned the best players being the best players. Konechny's leading the charge. He's got three goals and an assist. Kevin Hayes has four assists. D'Angelo just keeps putting up points. He's got a goal and three assists. He's just like a, a playmaker, a points machine, no matter where he goes and who he's playing with. JVR. Solid start, a goal and, and three assists. And Carter Hart, 3-0, two goals against per average, 943 save percentage. It's just like that's what you want from those guys. And it's just it's still so early and, and hard to tell. I don't think I'm buying yet, but this is one of the, the better stories early on and absolutely has everything to do with John Tortorella. It's been great. It, it's been really great. Carter Hart, I think, is the biggest difference maker right now. He's been playing fantastic. And mind you, you know, we take everything with a grain of salt early on in the season. They beat the New Jersey Devils in the opener. How good is New Jersey? Then they beat the Vancouver Canucks. We'll get to them a little later on in the show. But then they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. And you go, well, maybe they might be good. This could be a team. When you look at their roster, when you look at, you know, who they have up in the lineup, they could be. this could be a case of just a team that's underperforming. Maybe, maybe the coach was the issue because they do have good players they do have good, decent skills. I don't know. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid just yet. I, I, I'm not. They got a, a tough-as-nails fourth line that Tortorella likes. They have players who, who Torts likes to throw out there. Joel Farabee is a, is a Torts kind of guy. A Travis Konechny is a Torts kind of player. All situations, never backs down. They're starting to have some injuries pile up on the back, back end. Friend of the show, Rasmus Ristolina, just went in the IR. We'll see if that is a factor, but... Ah. It's too early to tell, but I tell you what, Tim, I like I like it. I-, I like this. I did not expect it. I-, I expected them to just come out, work hard, like I said, but pile up the L's. And all of a sudden, the Philadelphia Flyers are in first place. They're in first place in the Eastern Conference, Tim. It's a fun story. Hopefully, they can continue it. When I get excited, 
when I feel good, I want to eat. When I feel bad, I want to eat. When I feel indifferent, I want to eat. I eat all the time. I'm a fat slob. Who am I kidding? And when I eat, I use DoorDash. I use DoorDash because I save money and they're a good company and they give me my food because I don't want to go out and get food. I want the food brought to me so I can pretend I'm a king and DoorDash does that for me. I use promo code GLOVESDDUS or if I'm in Traverse City, especially USA in a broader term, I get 25% off. I get free delivery. It's a great company. If I'm in Canada, if I'm doing a charity event, I go see my parents. I use promo code GLOVESDD and I still get the same deal. It's an it's international. It's worldwide, DoorDash. It's worldwide. Wide, so you wide, should use wide. them. Check it out. We get the only discount, as far as I know, that DoorDash has worldwide is through dropping the gloves. So take advantage of it. Use promo code GLOVESDDUS if you're in the USA. GLOVESDD if you're in Canada. Get 25% off. That's a quarter. That's Inflation is hard. And we're doing our best to try to help you guys out. You get 25% off. You get free delivery. Gas is expensive. That poor driver, we're just hosing him. He's not making any money because he's just... The gas tank, it's $4 a gallon in the USA. It's probably $6 a liter up in Canada. Oh, we're almost making money. It's too good of a deal. So check it out, DoorDash. Use our promo code. Tell them we sent you. And just enjoy, you fat slobs, you. I love it. All right. Is there any more good, Tim, that we can talk about? Can my mood get any better? Uh, no. <laughs> I think we're done. I think we got to bring it down a little bit. All right. Let's go to the bad. And, you know, you talked about bet us. You talked about gambling. I had a pretty aggressive parlay the other night. I picked a four team parlay. Every team had to win by two goals. First game hit the Rangers won by two. My, my other game hit the avalanche beat the wild by two. My other game hit the Canes beat the Seattle Kraken by two. I'm like, this is fantastic. I'm going to come out of the gate win $1,400. No brainer. Leafs are going to beat the coyotes by at least two. The Coyotes are a winless team. They got to fly all the way to Toronto, go through the immigration stuff. It's a hassle. No one likes it. It's just, it takes time. You got friends and family in the Toronto area. You probably go out, have a couple brews with your bros. Write that down. That might be a good t-shirt, Tim. (laughs) And then all of a sudden the game starts and the Coyotes jump out to a two, nothing lead. What is going on? They eventually win four to two. That's bad. It's not only bad for me. It's bad for the Toronto Maple Leafs. To kind of dovetail the loss, Mitch Marner completely embarrassed himself on that night. The Leafs are down 2 nothing. The fans are getting a little restless. They're starting to boo a little bit, rightfully so. The Coyotes have a salary cap, I think, of $45,000 in that range. The Maple Leafs salary cap is hovering around $81 million. This should be a complete cakewalk, a shellacking. It should be a a non-issue. The Leafs should be just dominating up and down the ice. So the fans are letting them hear it. They're booing them. They're hissing them a little bit. They're getting frustrated. Mitch Marner, I thought, who had turned a corner, grow, grew up a little bit, matured. He showed a lot last year. He ties the game up. Big deal. You tied the game up with the Coyotes. Not the Avalanche. Not the Oilers. Not, not, not a good it's, – it's the Arizona Coyotes. He ties it up, and what does he do? Does he just celebrate with his teammates and go back to the center dot because he knows he's tied to the worst team in the league? No, he points to the crowd and just shows them up and say, oh, oh, yeah, what are you booing about? We're the best. I'm Mitch Marner. Will you guys shut up? You shut up, you. You, you shouldn't boo us. 
I'm Mitch Marner with the Toronto Maple Leafs. You don't get to boo. Well, things have a way of working themselves out. Coyotes score two more goals. Mitch Marner looks like a complete a-hole. They lose four to two. Now he's just chomping on those words. The Leafs are under 500. They lose to the Arizona Coyotes. And all is right in the world. If I didn't have $1,500 riding on this, I would be ecstatic. But it, it was a tough pill to swallow because I'm like, you get what you deserve, Mitch Marner. But it didn't. I don't, I don't want to get into the bet side of it. It was only a $50 bet, but I texted you, Tim. I feel like I lost $1,500 because I did. Thanks a lot, Mitch Marner. But the silver lining is he made him look like he made himself look like a just complete douche by pointing at the crowd, calling out his fan base, and then subsequently getting scored on two times in a row for the Coyotes to win four to two. Did you see the point? This this dummy. I use I like Mitch Marner. What is he doing? Yeah, it's it's crazy that the Leafs are getting booed in their building this early in the season. Fourth game of the year. Yeah, yeah. And and I think it's a lot of things. I think it's obviously, you know, years of build up and frustration. I think it's that whole goalie situation that got fans a little bit just embarrassed. You know, it's just like how how did this happen? Then you you're losing to the coyotes and all of a sudden things are looking good and you that's a situation where you like go to work and you be quiet and you get the job done. You know what I mean? And maybe I sound like a, a miserly old man when I say that, but yeah, I didn't love that. And then obviously they end up losing, which is just humiliating for that team. So yeah, not a good look. I said they were under 500. They're, they're not, they're 500. Sorry, mea culpa, but yeah, that's bad. Another bad one. The Edmonton Oilers best off season in the NHL. Some said they, they checked all the boxes. They have no weaknesses. Don't look now. Jack Campbell looks like he looks like a, a Matt Murray. He looks bad. He do, he does not look sharp. He looks out of sorts. And it got me thinking, is Jack Campbell a bad goalie? Or is Edmonton just a terrible defensive team? I haven't seen all the goals he's let in, so I don't know if there's some weak ones, if he's just not on his angles, his rebound control isn't there. I haven't seen all the goals. But I do know Edmonton is not the strongest defensive team. That's well documented. What do you think? Is this is this a case of just he's played bad and he needs to sharpen his game up? Because Skinner came in last night and they lost to the stinking Buffalo Sabres. I picked him up in our fantasy league thinking I'd get an easy win. Guy gets he gets lets three into the Sabres win. We'll get to a hit in that game. My goodness, hit of the year candidate already. But is this is this a case of Jack Campbell struggling? Or is this the Oilers just being the Oilers? Any goalie who plays there is going to just have bad stats. And the reason why nobody wants to get traded there or nobody wanted to sign there is because they could see the writing on the wall that I'm going to face 35, 40 shots a game, and half of them are going to be grade A. And my stats are going to plummet, and no one will want to sign me after my contract's up. What is it, Tim? I think it's a little bit of everything. I think the, the defense has gotten exposed. I think Campbell hasn't played well. And I don't have a reason for this. I don't have some stats or analytics that I can share. What good some, are you then? What, <laughs> but for some reason, I'm just not that worried about him. I think they're going to be fine. I think it's just early season sh- shakes and struggles. I think Campbell will be fine. I think he'll be the goalie that, you know, he's not He's not an elite tier one goalie. He's never has been. Maybe for small stretches, but the knock on him has always been inconsistency. Frank Saravelli had a great uh, video the other day just talking about, like, first 20 games, he's the best goal in the league. Then he was, like, sub five, 850 save percentage for like the next 40 games. And then he's pretty much, you know, it's just big chunks of the season. He's just doing different things. And so 
I think he'll continue to do that. I think they'll be fine. He will play better. The Oilers will win some games. I, I'm just not that worried about it. I really, I'm really not. Well, that's the thing. I'm not worried about them not winning games. They will make the playoffs, but this team is not built just to make the playoffs. This team is built to win the Stanley Cup. And is he your guy? Can you rely on him if he's that streaky? Because going into the playoffs, you don't want a guy who can all of a sudden at the drop of a hat just go cold for 10 games. That's not good. Series is over. You need to be consistent. Consistent and better. You can't be consistent and then have a cold streak. I don't know. If, if A lot of questions. A lot of question marks surrounding Jack Campbell right now. I would be nervous if I was the Edmonton Oilers because you brought him in to just stabilize the net. And he hasn't done it. He's anything. He's created more questions on the back end. When you have Cody CC in your first D pairing, I'm sorry. What do you expect? Cody CC's getting 25. You're going to give up grade A chances. Cody CC's not good. He's good. You shouldn't be getting that many minutes playing with Darnell Nurse on the first D pairing. It shouldn't. You shouldn't do it. Moving on. That's enough bad. Is that enough bad? Tim? Yeah. Yeah. I like the way you put that too. Campbell was brought in to stabilize the net and he's not doing it. That's, that's a Damn good right. summary of the situation. Yep. That was, that was poetic. Modern I got goosebumps. day. Modern day. Who's a good poet? I don't, I, I don't even know any poets. James Joyce. Modern day. Jimmy Joyce. That's me. All right. Now for the ugly and everybody knows. Oh, first, should we get to the hit in sure. that game? Yeah. The Sabres in the Oilers, Ilya Labushkin, absolutely blowing up rookie Dylan Holloway. Biggest hit of the year so far, hands down. Absolutely just destroyed him. Holloway, I don't know what he's what what he's expecting. You cannot put yourself in that situation. The defenseman sends him a bank pass off the boards. The defenseman's behind the net, banks it up. Holloway takes the pass on his backhand in the neutral zone. Looking back at the puck, waiting for it to hit his hit his tape. Oh my goodness! If I'm a defenseman on the other team, it is a bonanza red light special. Everything in my head is firing. I'm so I'm so excited. I'm more excited than than a DoorDash promo. It is. It's just how fast can I get here to murder this kid? It's it's green lights. Go, go, go. You've never been in that situation, Tim. When you see a guy, he's not even skating fast, Holloway. He's just you think I've never thrown, thrown a hit before? I don't think you have. Okay. He's waiting for the puck, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is happening? This is happening? In a National Hockey League game, I get to do this? And he just absolutely buries him. And it was the perfect hit. I don't care what anybody says. It was a perfect hit textbook keeps his elbow tucked he nails him right in the chest holloway dies for a little bit then he gets resurrected and then he goes off the ice oh and then what did labushkin get a penalty for i don't even know because i know uh fogle jumped them and they kissed for a little bit and hugged then they both went to the box i was i didn't check the box score i know they both got penalties but what a hit what a hit don't tell me there was anything wrong with that don't you dare don't even don't even start 
No, I liked it. I, I, I was going to say exactly the same thing because Labushkin, you watch him lead into the play and, and you can almost read his mind being like, oh, no way. No way this is happening. Let's go. Let's go. And then he turned and he just levels them. And it's just, it was, I was watching the same exact thing. And I, clean hit. He didn't leave his feet. Elbow tucked. Like it hit him in the chest. The only part that I was unsure about, and I could be wrong because obviously he wasn't called for this, but isn't there a rule where you have to have this puck long enough to become eligible to be hit in a situation like that? Like, I, yeah, I know players have gotten knocked for that before where they touch the puck and then they get drilled and they're technically not a puck. They're not in play at that point. I I don't know exactly how it works. I've seen that happen before, but obviously I could be wrong there. But it's a great hit. Puck was on a stick. Don Holloway, third NHL game. Welcome to the show, buddy. Welcome to be here. And he has a big opportunity, Holloway, because he's he's skating. He he, he gets the opportunity to skate with Dreinsidel a lot of the time. So that's a tough one. First round pick. What was he like? Seventh overall, eighth overall in 2020, I think. So high, high draft pick. Big, big hopes for him. He needs to step up for the Oilers. Not, not for the Oilers to have success, but he, if he does step up, dangerous team. All right. Moving on to the ugly. Went through the good, went through the bad. Now we're at the ugly. There's only one ugly story in the NHL right now. And it is, it is absolutely atrocious. I didn't think it could get any worse. I honestly did not. They set an NHL record, blowing a lead three times in a row, up two goals, middle of the second period. Well, they, ex- they extended that record. They're the first team in NHL history to blow a two-goal lead in the second period four consecutive times to start to start a season. The Vancouver Canucks, once again, up by two in the second period versus the Columbus Blue Jackets. Throw it away. This time, they get a point. They lose in overtime. Good for them. You know, little victories. But how mentally just broke are the Canucks right now? After what they went through two years ago, after what they went through last year, coming into this season, starting fresh, starting anew, bringing in some new guys, re-signing some guys, friend of the show, JT Miller, to have this start. What is going on in that locker room right now, Tim? Because I I can't even – I've been on bad teams, but those teams knew we were bad. I've never been on a team who had expectations and have a salary cap the way that they have and to just stink it up the first four games. But that's okay. What makes it worse is showering up at the end of the night, getting in your car and driving home, and going, gosh, we could very easily be 4-0 if we would just hold our ish together the last period. But no, we're 0-3-1. Like, it's a tough pill to swallow. What's going on in that locker room, Tim? Yeah, I hate beating this horse to, get, to death, but when we had him on and we talked about their season last year, the same thing that we kept seeing over and over again was starting the season strong, not letting these chances slip away, not letting these points slip away that are so important at the end of the year. And they got one last night, whatever. They're 0-3-1. and one. They're really 0-4, four, four multi-goal blown leads. It's just, it's hard, it's hard to wrap your mind around. And, and there are some things that are working. The offense is working. Pedersen has six points in four games. Horvat and Hughes have four reads. I think JT Miller's got three goals. Um, but it, it, the defense isn't working. Thatcher Demko has been terrible, letting in over four goals a game, save percentage 847. JT Miller, he's got a couple of goals, but he's getting a lot of criticism. He signed a big contract. And through the first two games, he was on the ice for all eight goals against, which is just, 
it's it's hard to believe. And I don't know how many he was on for games three and four. I'm guessing at least one or two. So, yeah, the best players are not really performing at all ends of the ice for all 200 feet. Even Connor Garland, who was a big acquisition last year, who's been a solid, he's a solid player. He was scratched for last night's game. And Bruce Goudreau said, Boudreau said, um, we have a lot to be accountable with the way we play. I could have taken a lot of guys out. I chose him. What's interesting, I, I saw a stat on Twitter. I can't verify it, but it said Garland hasn't been on the ice for any goals against this year. So I don't know why he was picked him of all players, but I don't know. It's it's. I can't think of anything they can do to right the ship with this group of guys. I think they need to add some defense. And I, I don't know. What, 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 if you're Boudreau, what, what do you do here? You You try to do what he's doing. You take a guy out try to send a message, try to shake things up. You can't fix the bodies you have in the room. I don't know. They knew this was the issue. JT Miller said it on the show. He said, everybody knows what our problems are. We need to be better defensively. We can score with any team in the NHL. And they can. And they are. They're one of the highest scoring teams in the NHL right now. The problem is they're letting up more goals than everybody else in the NHL. And I don't know about you, Tim, but I think you have to not let in as many goals as the other team to win hockey games. And right now, they're not doing it. And the problem is they're back in. Quinn Hughes, a very good offensive defenseman, can't play defense. He can't. Luke Shen, terrible offensive defenseman, can't play defense. He's too slow. He gets skated around. It's a, it's a new NHL. I don't know why he's still out there. Put him on the third pairing. Give him 10, 11 minutes. Put him versus the other team's fourth line, the other physical guys. He's skating alongside Quinn Hughes. It's a bad pairing. I don't know why that's even a thing right now. Get Quinn Hughes and Luke Shen away from each other. They're very different players, but they do the same thing. Bad in the D zone. Quinn Hughes is better in the offensive zone. They, they are just atrocious in the, in the defensive zone. Their second pairing, Oliver Lackman Larson, Tyler Myers. Very similar type players. Very similar type players, not physical. They jump up in the rush. They take chances and their liabilities in their own end. Good pairing. I don't think so. Their third pairing, Riley Stillman, Kyle Burroughs. Don't know anything about these two. I'm guessing they're garbage too. It, it, there's nothing you can do, Tim, with this team. The only thing that I think you would have to sacrifice your offense. You got to trade a really good offensive player to go and get some help on the back end. But who's going to help you? Who's going to trade one of their top defensive players just just at the beginning of the season there, there's no answer here there's nothing that they can do barring just sacrificing all offense and going into a shell and just playing a shutdown you know four guys back one guy pressure and we're really going to try to just sit on sit on our hands and not let anybody get zone entries just try to win one nothing but even then i don't think they have the the personnel that can do that, who can stay disciplined enough to play that type of game. They have a run and gun offense up front and they don't have enough on the back end to either keep up with those guys or to play defense. It's a tough thing to do. You invest in a team, you invest in players. They've missed their mark. Larson's not the guy. OEL, Tyler Myers, his best hockey's behind him. Quinn Hughes, he needs to figure something out on the back end. It's not working. I don't know. It, defense was going to be the issue, and it's the issue. It, it's I don't know any way they can fix it, Tim. I eh, it, it's a tough, it's a tough look for the Vancouver Canucks right now. And then you just signed JT Miller to that big contract. Oh, you can't move any of these guys. 
The one guy you would probably want to move is Connor Garland, and you know you're healthy scratching him. His value is just plummeting. So you're going to get pennies on the dollar for any guy they want to trade to shake this up. But remember, everybody's just praising Bruce. Bruce, there it is. Bruce. Bruce, there it goes. Yeah, they're, they're a bad team at this point. Who knows? Maybe they can find that magic mixture that they found last year at the end of the year and go on a little run. But right now, they are ugly. U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi. You ugly. You ugly. And JT okay. Miller's a handsome guy, and Brock Besser is gorgeous. It's funny that they're ugly. It's not always <laughs> okay. outside. It's inside. Hear, hear me out. You trade Bo Horvat, who was one of their better players, but he's on an expiring contract. He's making five and a half. You're probably not going to bring him back because you're, I think the, the, the writing on the wall says you pick JT Miller over Bo Horvat. That frees you up enough value and enough cap space to bring in a valuable defenseman if you can find one on the market. It also sends a message to... When you have the season you had last year, when you have the start you're having this year, you got to hold someone accountable. And why wouldn't that be the captain? Even though he's playing well, he's responsible for the rest of the team. Do you trade him? Go trade him for, I, I don't know, some defenseman from the wild or something. Go trade him for Brodeen. Send a message. Does, does that solve a problem or is that just getting rid of a good player and making you worse? It helps if you could find a, a trade partner. My, my thing was, who is going to trade for Bo Horvat? He's going to be UFA. He will demand. That's a thing these days. The he's salary cap is though. Yeah. Yeah. He's making 5.5. You, you can't trade him at this point in the season because teams, they're still trying to get to know their team. No one's going to want to make a trade. Maybe the Wild are a good one because they've been struggling too. That might be a good solution. Get Bo Horvat in there. Make that happen. Call up Billy Garrett. See if we can make that work. Because that would be texted him. Yeah, that would be good. But yeah, yeah. It's tough. But even then, just say you do get a Matt Dumba or a Jonas Brodeen, does it help your team that much? A little bit, maybe. Does it solve the, the greater problem? I don't think so. I think you have to revamp that that back end. You you have to try. That's a thing. There's some albatross contracts on that back end. OEL is signed for four more years at 7.26. Woof. Tyler Myers, friend of the show, is still signed for one more year at six. Quinn Hughes, you're not going to trade him. He's 23, but he's signed for four more years at 7.85. If you like package those three guys up, that's seven, 14, 21 million dollars. Would you rather have those three guys or a camel car? You know, it's just it's it's funny. They make a lot of money. There's there's no solution that I can see. And I usually can kind of well, we can make something work. We can do this. We can do that. They're they're going to be in tough. They they have to find the solution with what they have right now. I don't think anyone's going to trade, do pull a big trade right now this early in the season. I don't think anyone's going to panic that much, as drastically as Vancouver is panicking, and rightfully so. They should panic because they should be four and zero, and they're one zero one or zero three and one. Blech. That was ugly. That pronunciation. All right. Anything else with the Vancouver Canucks, Tim? No, I want to talk about tonight's games and the money that I'm going to win. You are. Are you addicted? Here's here's my thing. I think gambling is easy and everyone should do it. And there's no downside <laughs> and there's no risk. Actually, I bet two, I, had, I had two bets last night. I had that last minute Bruins one. And then I had another bet for the Canucks and Sharks both to win their first games. It was a parlay and they both burned me. So <laughs> gambling is hard. But, but tonight's going to be different. Everything changes. This is day one of the streak. 
All right. Well, who do you have? We got to get back on the horse. We're going for yeah. it. What's going on? What do, what do you got going on tonight? There are there are three games tonight. So I figured I'm just going to go for all three in a parlay. All the overdogs, all the all the favorites, the Panthers, the Avalanche and the Blues. I'm picking all three to win in a t- three team parlay. And then I have another one just to make little things a little, a little bit interesting. The Blues cracking. I'm picking the under on that. Both offenses have been a little bit quiet. This is the other thing, too. I know that the Sharks played overseas, and so there's a little bit of a head start to the season, but they've played five games, and a bunch of other teams have played four games, and the Blues have only played one game so far. It's just it's strange. It's the scheduling. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I picked the under for that. I think Bennington's going to get play really well, potentially even a shutout, and the Kraken offense is just not that great. And so I will pick the under for that. Those are my two bets for the night. You're going under six and a half. So you think those two teams are going to score six goals or less. That's what you're saying to me. That's what I'm saying. All right. You know, I, I'm more of an optimist. I like goals. I like what people score. I like goals. (laughs) (laughs) I do another t-shirt. We're just, let us know. We don't even have a comment section. If you want to make some t-shirts with it, because we got some quotes here. That'd be a good one. I'm going the over, Tim. I'm going straight up over under for all three games. I'm taking the Panthers and the Flyers over. The Flyers are playing great. The Panthers, everybody know their offense is just fantastic. They're over six and a half. All these games are six and a half, so it makes it super easy. The Jets and the Avalanche. I think the Avalanche themselves will score six goals. They've been flying. They're playing great. I'm going over for the Avalanche and the Jets. The Blues and the Kraken. This is the one. I don't know what to do on this one. Because the Kraken don't score goals. They don't. But the Blues have a pretty good offense. Oh, what do I do, Tim? Over or under? I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go under. So that's mine. And then I think on Friday, I'm going to do some prop bets, some fun prop bets. But not now. Like who scores first? Although those type of things. I like that. But anyways, I'm going over Flyers, Panthers. Over Jets, Avalanche. Under Blues, Kraken. Bet USA, everybody. It's fantastic. What kind of deals do you get if you sign up now, Tim? Well, if you sign up now, basically up to $2,500, they're giving 125% deposit bonus. So if you put in 100 bucks, you're getting 125 bucks extra. 200, it's 250. So it's a great time to sign up, but they have a great platform, very easy to use. I, I was actually coming into this a little cold because I, I'm not a huge gambler in the past. I've done it a little bit on and off. And and some of the terminology and the language and the links and all the buttons are confusing, but Bet BetUS makes it very easy. And I've already won some money, so I would definitely recommend it. Check it out; it's a lot of fun. All right, let's let's do some quick hits here, and away we go. Yeah, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi is out for four to six weeks for the Wings, which is too bad. He got hurt blocking a shot, upper body injury. Um, no real timetable yet. We'll see how he, how he does, but that's a tough blow for for that team. Um, another one here is just looking at the other three, the three teams that are, that are winless. You got the Canucks 0-3 and 1, the Wild 0-3, the Sharks 0-5. We're going to have to spend some time on the Sharks on Friday or next week because that is, how do you write that ship? We could do a whole 30 minutes on that. But I wanted to ask you, which of these teams do you think will go the longest without winning a game? Who's going to be oh. the, the remaining team? Oh, I haven't seen their schedule. And that that is a big issue with all these. It's contingent on who they play. But just if they play the same teams, you, you got to say the Sharks. You have to. The Canucks have to fall into a win one of these times when they get to a lead. And the Wild, 
Marc-Andre Fleury has been playing terrible, uncharacteristically bad to start the season. So he he has to find his game, and I think he will. He's too good to keep playing the way he is. You got to say this show. Unfortunately, I love San Jose. When people ask me, where's your favorite place you played? I usually say San Jose, depending on the crowd. But if, if it's not the town I've played in, I go with San Jose. Because it's just such a great fan base, great city. But it's not looking good this year. Brent Burns was not the problem, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah. One more. Did you see um, Yevgeny Kuznetsov get suspended one game? Yeah. Baseball bat cross check to the, the face of Kyle Burroughs or the Canucks. Lenient? Right on? Uh, right on. I, I might have given him two. I mean, you slashed him in the face, basically. And two-handed baseball. In the like face! Yeah. Uh, uncharacteristic. I don't know where that came from. Must have been more off-ice or, you know, off camera that we didn't see, but yeah, good suspension. Oh, he just baseball bat swung. I think it should have been two, maybe three, but yeah, Ugh, ugly, ugly, ugly. All right, everybody. That's all. Tim travel safe. Hopefully you make it to Friday's podcast. Everybody think of Tim walking the streets of Philadelphia. Let us know how the cheese steak is. And I hope everybody has a good Wednesday and we'll talk to you on Friday. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.